0: Hi, everyone. I'm Laura Pascas, senior producer for the show Our Land New Mexico's Environmental Past, Present, and Future on New Mexico PBS. It's December 14th, and you are listening to New Mexico in Focus, the podcast. So, this fall, the state of New Mexico and the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency launched a new task force to investigate and prosecute environmental crimes in the state. These crimes can range from things like dumping oil or hazardous waste to falsifying records. And while these acts pollute the state's air and water and put people's health at risk, they often go undetected and unprosecuted, but they're actually punishable by fines and even jail time. The new task force has its work cut out for it. I spoke recently with New Mexico Environment Department Secretary James Kenney and also the EPA's Special Agent in Charge of the Criminal Investigation Unit, Kim Bainey. Here's that full conversation. Secretary Kenney, Kim Bainey, thanks for joining me today.
1: Thank you for having us.
0: So the Environmental Crimes Task Force, this is something new for New Mexico. Um, Why do we need this?
1: Uh, Great to be here, Laura, and good question. The environmental crimes task force fills a a big void in the state of New Mexico. Historically most states, environmental agencies work with federal partners to prosecute civil and criminal violations. Those that maybe for the viewers are unintentional and those that are intentional. Um, With the lack of having a task force here for so many years uh, we have no barometer as to whether there are criminal activities occurring that would be hurting the environment, hurting public health, operating outside of the regulatory scheme. The task force will fill that void and share intelligence and then move towards prosecuting those individuals or corporations that are criminally violating environmental laws.
0: So can you describe for me, like, what's the difference between uh, when we're talking about the environment, like a civil versus a criminal violation, is this just like a crime versus an accident? Like, what does that mean?
1: Yeah, so I wouldn't think of it as a crime versus an accident because sometimes when an employer doesn't put the necessary resources behind compliance, you can have an accident. And that could be an intentional means to either make money or avoid the regulatory scheme. So, I would think of it a little bit more, and this is just a general rule of thumb, that when a company or person inadvertently violates the law, um, they may have, you know, the best intention, but they don't execute it properly. That is often a civil violation. Maybe they forgot to submit a piece of paper that is important. To the environment department, assuring compliance, um, or they forgot to do some other activity. A criminal violation usually there's intent. There's intent to circumvent, defraud, avoid, um, and and not play by the rules, and therefore a criminal violation, in my opinion, has a is um, more egregious which is why there's typically not only penalties, but sometimes jail time involved.
0: Okay. Kim, what kinds of... Can you give us some examples of either cases you've worked on or incidents you've seen in the region that maybe could happen in New Mexico as well?
2: Certainly. I think the one thing that most environmental crimes have in common is that there is a deliberate decision to, usually to save money or to make money and it's at the expense of the environment or human health um, so release of um, chemicals or other hazardous pollutants into the air perhaps um, an industry is falsifying their air emission um, or it can be um, anything from illegal importation of refrigerants and pesticides or saying quite a bit of that you would know by usually the label would be in a, a a different language. Um, There's supposed to be an an EPA um, verbiage on on pesticide products. Um, Situations where there's fires or explosions because of mismanagement of chemicals. Um, Dumping into waters either state or federal waters or sewer systems that would ultimately cause harm to our wastewater treatment plants. Mm -hmm. And then falsification at wastewater treatment plants, drinking water plants. Um, so those are just a number of things that come to mind.
0: Yeah. So environmental enforcement is already a challenge in New Mexico. And thinking, for example, of how many oil and gas wells there are versus how many inspectors there are. How is this task force um, going to meet the challenges that could potentially be really big?
1: Yeah. Again, a good question because there is a bit of a David versus Goliath kind of feel from a regulatory standpoint versus the... versus um, some bad actors. Like how do you find those? Uh, and and part of the reason an environmental crimes task force works so well is because you leverage state and federal law enforcement agencies as well as tribal agencies to come together both on the investigation, building the case, then working with prosecutors to enforce um, against that entity. So the sharing of information actually is synergistic and and allows you to expand your resource base. So if you think about it, uh, where New Mexico Environment Department may have a hazardous waste inspector out in the field looking at a facility who's managing hazardous waste, um, if they see something that maybe isn't within their jurisdiction or, or just doesn't appear proper they will bring that information back and elevate it back through the task force so there's more eyes and ears out there uh, and more sharing of information and that does help level the playing field between the regulated community and the regulators.
0: Yeah, so we're talking about protecting the environment. Um, this task force also has um, an interest in environmental justice. Is that right? What's the environmental justice component here?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So. Um, I can speak to this not only as a cabinet secretary, but also from my experience when I was with the Environmental Protection Agency. Um, oftentimes when you're going into communities to investigate um, environmental crimes, you're going into those that are socioeconomically challenged uh, because you, you'll see, you know there's a term fence line communities and uh, those, those residents that are closest to the uh, industrial activity, are often the ones the most impacted. So there's a very much an inequity when these crimes occur in those communities because they're not they're already socially, economically depressed. Um, and that's, that's where the task force will spend some time looking at that. Um, it, it's an important aspect of, of leveling the playing field. Like the most vulnerable should not be the most polluted.
0: Mm-hmm. So when um when a crime is committed can you kind of walk us through the process and what might some of the penalties or actions taken against someone who's violating the law
2: so always depends on the fact pattern right and it's it's different in every single case Mm -hmm. i think partly what we're hoping is um, to get our tip line out there more so that people know to call in when they suspect something isn't right either whether they're an employee and it's something that's happening at work or they're seeing something in their neighborhood as far as environmental harm Um, so when we get tips in then through our task force we'll determine the appropriate agency to respond it might be one agency it might be two together i think that's the great thing about the task force is that we're pulling together resources to be more deliberate and through um, just bringing more energy to the table i think that we expect to see a lot more get done at the same time. Um, so when a TIP comes in, um, we'd figure out who it, would, who it would go to, we would start to investigate. Depending on the agency it goes to, it looks very different. For us, for EPA, Criminal Investigation Division, um, that is assigning a special agent, um, and then they will be piecing together the evidence. They'll be out there conducting interviews. Um, they may gather probable cause for a search warrant uh, they might do some covert sampling. We can dump um, samplers in sewers. We can put up pull cameras, just a number of different ways. Um, but it's the, you know, the, the process of collecting the evidence can be very scientific and there's a very strict threshold that we need to meet for the courts as far as proving the elements of, of the case. So our investigations also can take one to two years. It just depends. Uh, we work closely with the U.S. Attorney's Office And I will say they are also very committed to environmental crimes in this state and also to environmental justice and ensuring that that is upheld. Um, And the attorney general's office has
0: also been very favorable in this task force as well. So I realize that you are not lawyers, but I've always wondered like why a company, um, you know, which is profit driven can come in and contaminate groundwater that might have um, impacts on people for generations or can, say, contaminate groundwater to the point where entire businesses or industries are, are decimated. Um, why is it that environmental crimes and things like that aren't often taken as seriously in our society as even something like property theft against an individual?
1: It, it's a good question. Um, That's why I'm in my job. (laughs) uh, To ensure that there is a level playing field and we prevent those, right? I I don't think it's success when we're putting more money into cleanup. I think it's kind of admitting failure. um, And we should be working to prevent those types of situations from happening. Um, You know, the Environment Department through most of its programs has the ability to deny permits to bad actors. Um, we're looking into that more and we're utilizing those provisions in ways we haven't in the past. Um, that is, you know, a philosophy of New Mexico should be racing to the top, not attracting the lowest common denominator. Um, but I think that's why you need enforcement programs. That's why you have to be out there and and ensuring that compliance is occurring day to day, week to week, month to month. Um, And when you're not out there checking, that's when some of those problems that can happen or that occur uh, can really leave long lasting impacts on our environment, um, as you're pointing out. So, uh, I don't know that I have the answer to your question directly, but you know, bringing more resources to the investigation side that will hopefully prevent bad actors from becoming worse actors polluting more of our groundwater our land and our air is exactly what this task force will be designed to do
0: have you seen in other states with similar task forces where this has had an impact and, and if so what kinds of changes have happened:
2: Yes, I would say so um, depending on the state and how long it's been around but I think from the beginning it's always brought more energy to the table it's Um, You know, what we do is pretty complex, so it really does take a team to put together a a solid case, um, and that's part of the benefit, too, of the task force. Um, I would say, historically, um, in states where we do have task forces, we typically see more cases and get more leads in, um, and so I think that's, you know, that's ultimately what we're hoping through this. Mm
1: -hmm. Can I add to that, Laura? You know, one of the things that I, I noticed similar to what Kim was referring to is that um, as we educate not only each other but law enforcement and prosecutors, they're more comfortable with taking these cases. They, they, they understand sort of the dynamic of these cases, why they're important, um, and, and how to litigate or how to bring the cases before a grand jury um, So part of the the job here is to ensure that the folks collecting the evidence are, you know, solid and and following the procedures Kim has alluded to. And then making sure that the attorneys, like in the U.S. Attorney's Office and the New Mexico Attorney General's Office, are comfortable with the evidence and with the law and what we're bringing uh, to them. As that all starts to happen, then it becomes a little bit easier to bring these cases. And, and I've spent time as a former inspector for EPA going around the country helping U.S. attorneys understand what does an infrared camera look like? What are the pros and cons of using that within the oil and gas sector? How do we turn that data into actionable evidence and intelligence? Um, those are all important things that really build comfort in bringing those cases uh, through the through the process, so that that's an important component that that will really shape the way this task force runs.
0: So New Mexico has lots of different industries. We've got oil and gas. We've got military nuclear labs, um, and and many you know you could point to New Mexico as a state where industries locate and. Have really negative impacts on communities of color, um, tribal communities. Does this task force, um, you know, set the tone for what will and will not be tolerated? Is this a, a change or is this a part of what we're already doing?
1: Yeah, so I would say since 2019, you know, since this administration took over, uh, it, we've been exceptionally clear that compliance is required. Going above compliance is something to celebrate, so, but compliance is required, and if you dip below that, meaning you are in non-compliance, then you should expect to be penalized, prosecuted now, um, and that we will put out you know, press releases and social media to that effect. Like the, we are not in the business of, of going light on polluters. Um, but there are a lot of companies in New Mexico who actually are doing the right thing uh, who who are trying and occasionally have problems. Um, so, I think there's a lot of good companies investing in in our state, in our workforce, in our communities. It's those that are that are acting outside of that that really detract from the industry that they represent, um, and, and those are the ones we really want to focus on uh, most through the task force.
0: Mm-hmm. So if people see something, um, how do they alert the task force? So
2: uh, EPA has a tip line. Um, the database that they would enter it in is called ECHO, but if they just Googled EPA environmental complaint, mm-hmm. it, sh- it should come up right away that's then funneled to our headquarters and goes to the appropriate office nationwide. Um, and then that would be something ultimately, even if we're deciding that EPA is, is more in the lead, we are typically coordinating with uh, New Mexico ED to make sure that um, they're not already on it, one, and two, they usually have a, a better understanding of the regulatory history there and what's happened in the past, which always funnels into our case moving forward. Mm-hmm.
1: And similar, um, New Mexico Environment Department has a tip line. Um, you can submit it uh, either by phone or by uh, web, in English or Spanish. Um, and and uh, we are also embarking on publishing a. So once that's the tip coming in. Uh, once we be once we issue uh, like a notice of violation or some kind of enforcement action we're actually now migrating all that data onto our website. So the public is going to be able to go through our website and look up which companies in their communities have civil violations alleged against them. You won't see that for the companies that are being investigated criminally. Um, Typically they wouldn't even know they're being investigated criminally until some point in the future. Mm -hmm. But from the beginning of filing a tip or complaint either agency We'll share that intelligence. And then, if there's a civil complaint or a civil action, um, we'll have that on our website. And we started uploading that data very recently.
0: All right. Well, thank you both so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everyone. I'm Laura pascas Find more environmental content on New Mexico in Focus as part of our show, Our Land, New Mexico's Environmental Past, Present, and Future. You can find Our Land all over the place on the PBS video app, Instagram, YouTube, and you can subscribe to Our Land Weekly. Thanks.